Uh, good morning again. If you were with us last week, you know for the month of December, we're, we're doing a series, The Cast of Christmas, looking at a story that many of us are very familiar with, even if we're not saved, even if we just happen to visit church periodically around this time of the year, we've probably heard of these people before, but we want to make sure we examine their lives to see what do we learn from them. You know, they're, they're an important part of scripture, so what do we learn from them? And last week we began with the shepherds and the magi, this week we're looking at Mary. So before we begin, uh, if everyone would please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how wonderful you are, how majestic you are, how majestic your name is. Lord, you are holy and deserving of all our praise. It is truly an honor and a privilege that we get to be called your bride. So as we continue to worship through your word, would you sanctify this time? Make this holy. May this be pleasing to you. Lord, we set ourselves aside and we come to you. We are so grateful for how you love us and for who you are. We praise you for who you are, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we'll be in Luke 2, uh, and if you would, please stand out of respect for God's word. And we're just going to read a few verses, or the first part of Mary's story. This is, or I'm sorry, Luke 1, not Luke 2. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. Thank you. When we look at Mary's life, I think we see three lessons. And really the first two we're going to move through pretty quickly because I think the first two are building to the third lesson that really this was a week where I'm always amazed at God's timing uh, and there are weeks where he, he really just blows me away with his timing. This was a week where I needed this message. I needed to be reminded of these things, the, specifically this third lesson that we're going to look at in her life. But we're going to start with what we know about her, and we're going to allow God's word to teach us. 
And the first thing that I think we learn from, from Mary's life that we see is if you go back to when the angel first says to her, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And then later on, how will this be when she gets the details of what's about to happen? And the first thing that Mary reminds me is that I don't always get to understand God's plan. I don't always get to know every detail. I have a finite mind. God is infinite. I'm not going to always be able to wrap my mind around what he is laying out and what he says is going to happen or what I might be going through. And I think you see this throughout Scripture as well. Consider Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And that's where God stops his instructions for the time being. I mean, how many of you guys, if I was like, hey, we're going on a trip, you'd be like, okay, cool, where, when, for how long, what should I pack, what should I bring? I was like, nope, come on, just jump in the car. We're heading out. They go, okay, then I'm not getting in the car, right? We got to answer these questions. We have to know. God doesn't give this to Abram. He says, head that way. That's what you need to know. God says to Mary, you're going to have a son. Well, how? What? That doesn't make sense logistically to me. I'm God. What else do we see in Abram's life? Later when he's Abraham and he's receiving the promise of what's going to become of his lineage. Genesis 17, I will bless her and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? We don't always get every detail. We don't get to know every question that we might have. But the second lesson that I see in Mary, that I think we see in Mary, is we don't have to to respond appropriately. We don't need every detail. We shouldn't need every question answered to know how to respond. What does Mary say in verse 38? Let me reread it. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then it goes on. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Listen to this verse about Mary, that Elizabeth, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We see the same lesson if we go back to Abram, go back to Abraham. Genesis 12.4. Genesis 12.1, head in that direction. That's what you need to know. Genesis 12.4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Romans 4.19-21, these verses are... 20 and 21. This was my phone background for many years because I think this, this lesson from Abraham is so wonderful for us. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, 
or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. How great is that? I'm sure he had unanswered questions. I can't can't say I'm sure. I'm guessing he had unanswered questions. But that didn't make his faith waver. He said, no, because God promised, and I grow strong in faith, because I know that what God promised, he is able to perform. Mary said, okay, Lord, I'm your servant. I might not understand this, but I'm your servant. You do what you will. And then Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed, who had faith. So friends, we don't have to always fully understand the plan to respond appropriately. It's not a matter of having every question answered that dictates how we respond. What about I'm in a stage of life that's just I'm I'm too old for this or I'm too young for this. I'm in a, you know where I am in life, I just don't see how God could be doing this in my life or calling me into this. I love that it says he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead. <laughs> Come on, that that elicits a little bit of a chuckle that Abraham was like, well, I'm as good as dead. But that doesn't matter to God because he's God. So before we start to listen to the enemy saying, you're too old to have this impact, you're too uneducated to have this impact, you're too ill-positioned, you're not in, a, you're not in an influential enough job to have this impact, well, no. Those aren't the details that matter. What matters is what God has called me to do. What matters is what God has promised. What matters is, will I respond accordingly based on who God is, not based on my own limited understanding? And this is building to where Mary builds to and what Mary winds up exclaiming. This is the lesson that I needed to be reminded of this week. And I'm so grateful that God did. We don't always get to understand every detail. We don't always get to understand the full plan. But that doesn't matter because our response doesn't depend on that. And what is always, always, and a third time, always an appropriate response to the Lord, a heart of praise. The biggest lesson that I see in Mary's life is a heart and a spirit of praise. It would be so temptingly easy for a human in our fallen nature to get puffed up with pride about this. Oh, I'm going to be the parent of of the Messiah? I'm the favored one. I mean, if Jesus came back today and was like, hey, I want to be a part of a church, I'm going to be a part of Community Bible Church, I would have to fight against, well, clearly we're doing something right. Jesus is a member here. It would be easy to get tempted into pride. When we don't know all the details, it's easy to get tempted into doubt or panic or anxiety or fear or bitterness. Mary doesn't respond with any of that. Mary responds with praise. 
Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary fully acknowledges that none of this happens outside of who God is. That it's about who he is and what he is doing. She goes on, she says, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has, been brought, down, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Isn't it cool that Mary mentions Abraham? Then when we look at Abraham's life, we see the same lessons we see in Mary's life. Isn't it fun to study the Bible? To see these threads tie together to see God's tapestry throughout history. I love it. And you don't just see it in Abraham and Mary. Job 1, 20-21. Job, who is arguably the most famous sufferer outside of Jesus on there. I mean, Job is known for suffering. And what do we read about Job? Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 5.11 But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. Isaiah 51, 1-3, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. If you're here and you're a believer, you should truthfully say you are someone seeking righteousness. You are someone pursuing these things. So what does God say through Isaiah? Okay, if you are seeking righteousness, look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Joy is our right. The world, apart from Christ, they don't have that honor. They don't have eternal joy. So when the stock market tanks, when social strife worsens, when job layoffs happen, when bad medical diagnoses come in, the world without Jesus they don't have that joy. But for God's people, this is what he's given us. That those who love your name may exult in you. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song, praise, celebration. This is, this is part of the package of adoption. 
When we were given the right to become children of God, we were given joy in all situations. We were given a reason to praise in all situations. It's awesome, man. I love it. And the guy who said amen, that was Ryan. He was the one who shared his testimony last week about their recent months. So that's a brother in Christ who understands praise in all situations. If you missed his testimony last week, Ryan, sorry to send people your way. Talk to him after the service today. Praise is the privilege of the believer. It's the privilege of the church. It's awesome. I love it. And I admit there are times where I struggle to remember what to praise for. This past week, our family got great news, like fantastic, long-awaited news. And it was awesome. And then our family also got blindsided with terrible, devastating, just factually unfair news. And it was utterly bewildering. That was in one week. So on some days, I was like, oh, I know what to praise for. And then the next day, we get the next text message on the family chain. It's like, wait, what? So let's go back to Scripture. Because if we're being honest, maybe we don't always feel like praise. Maybe sometimes we struggle to remember, what do I have to praise? Well, what do we see in Scripture? Because if we look, we see reasons to praise Praise him for who he is. That's unchanging. That's not dependent on circumstances. Praise him for what he's done. That's the beauty of testimony. That's the beauty of youth standing up here last week and talking about watching three of their fellow youth group members get baptized this year and how excited that made them. So praise him for what he's done. Praise him for what he's doing. And praise him for what he has promised he will do. Consider these verses, Deuteronomy 32, 3-4. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Judges 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel, to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Praise him for his work. Praise him for his nature. Listen to 1 Samuel 2. And the prayer of Hannah, the praises that we hear in her prayer. And then recall the song of Mary. Listen to the parallels. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. I rejoice in salvation. That doesn't change day to day, friends. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. 
Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Old Testament to New Testament, we see God's people praise him for who he is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised he will do. And this exists in perpetuity. Revelation 4, 8 to 11. I love that they used a passage from Revelation. Revelation 4, 8 to 11. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. There's always reason to praise. There's always cause to rejoice in who God is. This does not minimize our situation. This does not cause us to pretend like pain doesn't happen. We're not belittling when someone goes through something painful. But we're saying, and what I'm saying, and what I believe Scripture is saying, what I believe the lives of these fellow members of God's household teach us, is that our focus is on the Lord. And when our eyes are on things above, women, remember your fall Bible study, set on things above, what we see when we look to things above are reasons to praise. God's people are called to be people of praise. And it helps. Just personal testimony, what I've found on the hard weeks, on the hard days, is that when God reminds me to praise, I lose sight of myself. Or, actually, a lot of times, more accurately, I gain a clearer picture of myself. And when I praise him for his death on the cross, I am reminded that that should have been me up there. And it's hard to feel sorry for yourself when you're acutely aware of your own sin and brokenness. Praise gets our eyes off ourselves. Praise gets our eyes where they belong. 
Praise gets our heart where it belongs. Praise reminds us that God is the shepherd who leads us through the valley to the plateau, the table he has prepared for us. I mean, psalms. Look at how many psalms result in praise. And then remember that one of the guys who penned most of the psalms was a fugitive, had his son betray him and try and take the kingdom from him, had a child die. I mean, David spent a lot of his life suffering. And his psalms seem to always wind back up at praise. It's great. It's so humbling. It's so necessary. And it makes such a difference. If God's people are a people of praise, if the world can look at a body of believers and say, they're celebrating when no one else is. They're joyful when no one else is. What is going on in their lives that they're willing to be like that? That they want to be like that? That they get to be like that? It's praise. It's joy. It's what Mary teaches us. And like I said, I needed this message this week. It's easy when things are good. And we're tempted to get arrogant. Oh, I'm doing well on my own. Things are going well. This is awesome. This is great. I earned this. James 1, 16 to 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So if something good is happening in your life, that's great cause for praise. That's wonderful cause for praise. You just found out you're having another grandchild. You just found out you got the promotion. You just found out the deal on the car went through and you wound up saving. I mean, whatever you found out, whatever is going on that you're like, this is a good reason to celebrate, that's a good reason to praise. Because if there's anything good in your life, it's a gift from God. So the good times, that's a good, good time to praise. An appropriate response to something good is praise. What about when things are bad? What about when my coworker got the promotion, even though I do half their work for them, but they play favorites with the boss? What happens when that financial deal didn't go through and I just lost out on a lot of money? What happens when that pregnancy didn't go well? What happens when I got fired? What happens when the medical diagnosis comes back and now I'm scared? Well, I still believe it's an appropriate time to praise. The scripture tells me it's an appropriate time to praise. Psalm 3, 1 to 5. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. Pause. Reflect on that. Chew on that. Many are my foes. Many are my afflictions. They're rising against me. They're saying there is no salvation for him doesn't sound like a fun time. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. Pause and chew on that. 
I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. The bad times, that's a good time to praise. Not as easy as the fun times, but still the appropriate response is praise. Psalm 13, Psalm 18, Psalm 22. I mean, like I said a moment ago, read through the Psalms. See the heart of praise. Consider the lives of God's people going all the way back to Abram. Going back to the beginning, there is cause for praise. And so maybe if we're someone for who this doesn't rise up as, as rapidly as it does in other people. You look at other people and they're like, that guy's always praising, that lady's always praising. Well, what are the reasons that we see in Scripture to praise? Who God is, what He's done, what He's doing, and what He has promised He will do. Have we lost sight of those things? So maybe if we find ourselves in a dry time where praise isn't coming as easily as it once did, maybe it's time to reflect and say, have I lost sight of these reasons for praise? Sit down, write out, read through Scripture. And every time, I've told you guys my highlighter system before, blue is an attribute of God or a promise of God. So when I'm in a low spot, I just open my Bible and I start thumbing through the pages. And if I see blue, I stop and I read it. You can't mess it up. It's color-coded. If you're colorblind, use a square and an underline. Problem solved. But if I need to be reminded of reasons to praise, I just thumb through the Bible. And when I see blue, oh yeah, God is merciful. Oh yeah, God is gracious. Oh yeah, God is omnipresent. God is always with me. Oh yeah, God is sovereign. Write down testimony in your life. When has God come through? What has he done? Save it in a journal. Save it in a notebook. So when the bad days happen, when the hard weeks get there, you can pull it out and be like, oh yeah, man, and this year he did that, and this year he did that. And you're going through the testimony. It's one of the privileges of the body is that we get to share testimony. Scripture says, rejoice with those who rejoice. So maybe if we've forgotten what he's done, ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to remind you. Last Sunday where we looked at what he's doing. Right, last Sunday? I think my days are right. Yeah, last Sunday. A couple of you nodded. That's good. Last Sunday we looked at what God is doing. That's a wonderful reason to praise. I've shared this exercise before that I taught to people in high school, friends in high school, teacher in high school. Sit down. Something bad happens and that temptation to spiral, that temptation to go cynical, that temptation to go pessimistic pops up. And those days happen. Those moments happen. Absolutely. The anxiety starts to creep in. The fear starts to creep in. The doubt starts to creep in. Stop. And just start listing out everything good that happened to you that day that God is currently doing. Sam, it's, it's not even 11.30 in the morning. All right, let's do this exercise together. What good has happened to you today? You woke up. You woke up with a roof over your head. You woke up and had clothes to put on. If you chose to, I'm guessing most of us had access to hot water for a shower. We had access to food. We had access to a vehicle to bring us to this place of worship where we got to see our friends and our family. We came in under our own power. You're listening because you're not deaf. You're seeing me because you're not blind. I mean, by 11.30 in the morning, we're living richer lives than the vast majority of the world. 
There's a lot of reasons to praise God for what He is doing right now in this very moment. Or identify the promises of God, what God will do. Today seems daunting. Today's climate seems daunting. This year seems daunting. The forecast for next year seems daunting. All right, then open the Bible and start flipping through me like, oh yeah, that's what God's going to do. Oh yeah, God's going to do that too. He's going to wipe away every tear. Oh yeah, innumerable angels gathered in festal celebration. Hebrews, oh yeah. Heaven is a place of rejoicing and celebration. God has promised that. Wow, there's a lot to look forward to. Why do kids love Christmas Day so much? Because you're, look you're looking forward to something great that's coming. You're looking forward. You're anticipating. When people are going on a vacation, why do they have a countdown calendar? Because they're looking forward to it. So maybe who God is, what He's done, what He's doing, maybe we need to remind ourselves of what He has promised He will do. But friends, I believe, I know, I've seen that when we take the time to look, we find countless reasons to praise. And we learn that in Mary's life. So this week, as we consider these things, before we sing one last song, let's read Psalm 9 this week. Let's read Isaiah 25 this week. And let's read Hebrews 11 this week. And quick question for you, when you get to Hebrews 11... How many of those people listed out in Hebrews 11? Go read their stories. How many of those people in Hebrews 11 knew every single detail of the plan and had perfect understanding? And they got a mention in the Hall of Faith chapter. Prayer, as we grow in prayer, apply the Acts model. How does Mary's life, how do these chapters lead us to praise God, to adore him? How do they lead us to confess to God? How do they lead us to thank God? How do they lead us to make supplication? Ask God. And then the grow, the apply, as we imitate God's people throughout time. Friends, this week may we be people who praise God for who he is, what he has done, what he's doing, and what he has promised he will do. Please join me in Everyone, prayer. Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.